motherhood is whether you have adopted the child or you gave birth to the child. But obviously it gives you a purpose, it gives you a purpose in life. I was basically um, diagnosed with polycystic ovaries in 2016. Being a warrior. Motherhood. It's you being there for the child. And it gives you something to live for, knowing that you can see what your child there. Like health professionals told me that there'll be like a very slim chance of me ever conceiving. A protector, a counsellor, a cleaner, doctor. The responsibility. I mean, for you, obviously, to be a mother, that's your responsibility. We're our child's whole world. I still feel like I'm dreaming because where I never thought it would happen. I also look at the spiritual aspect and you have to be praying for your children. Take a step into a mother's land. Word offering. Some of us grew up with caregivers who may have had the best intentions. And generally, they did the best they could to raise us. But because they too had a wounded inner child... They raised us in environments where their own wounding got in the way of loving who we were while we were growing up. Our inner child is the echo of the child we once were. Playful, creative, loving and joyful. But has been pushed down and forgotten because of negative childhood experiences we had. We may find it easy to tell others we love them. But how often do we close our eyes? and say these loving words to ourselves. Hi everyone, welcome back to A Mother's Land. Thank you for joining me again. I hope you're all in your sacred spaces. Comfortable, I hope you've grabbed your snacks or your drink or whatever it is you need to make yourself comfortable to tune in to this episode. So today, I wanted to talk to you guys about childhood trauma. I mean, if you think about it, how many of us are walking around with wounds? When I say wounds, I mean emotional things that are painful. Things that you try so hard to block out because they hurt so much. Do you guys ever realise sometimes something may remind us of a painful memory? But because we try so hard to block it out, We don't even realise how it can escape in the smallest minute ways. You might snap at someone without realising or you might react to something that you wouldn't normally react to. But because we're so used to blocking off the pain, we just move on and act like nothing ever happened. We just move on from it. Or sometimes you might have dealt with something from your past. You might tell it like it's a story. Like, this happened, that happened, that happened, and then that's it. There's no real emotion behind you actually telling this painful story that's happened to you. Just, when I used to sit in my counsellor's office and I used to explain things to her, she used to say to me, why don't you show emotion behind what you're saying? She used to tell me, you sound like you're reading a shopping list. Well, I don't know, maybe me reading or explaining things like a shopping list is why I'm here today with you to help you, I don't know, understand what you might be going through. So for me, my trauma began at the tender age of two years old. I was sent to Ghana to go and live with my grandmother. And it was because my mum really needed support in getting her life together and getting a comfortable career 
and things like that so that when we returned we would all live comfortably living in Ghana was obviously different I don't remember getting there I think I only remember it from maybe my third birthday onwards however I feel like living with my grandmother from the age of two till six was probably the best part of my childhood ever I mean my grandmother loved me to pieces for a long time she didn't have any grandchildren and she used to actually pray with her sister for a grandchild all the time and funnily enough the grandchild that she prayed for ended up being born on her sister's birthday the person she used to pray for the grandchild with I mean that grandchild was me obviously and when I lived in Ghana she spoilt me rotten I mean I had everything I wanted from I don't know Barbie dolls to sweets to everything I wanted I always had she used to get clothes made that would match us or she would put me in her jewellery like her pearls and special earrings and things like that and she always made me feel special I also lived with my great-grandmother one of my aunties and a cousin of mine who lived in the house and he used to take me to school every day I had another auntie that lived across the road and I used to cry for her every morning to get me ready for school I don't know I had obviously I had some type of attachment issues because I didn't have my mum and I used to throw a lot of tantrums but I think they used to let me get away with it because they understood that it must have been difficult for a young child not to have their mother so like I said when I lived in Ghana I had my family I had my grandmother my great-grandmother my auntie and one of my cousins that lived in the home I also had a lot of extended family so I was always surrounded by people and I was surrounded by a lot of love because I was my grandmother's only grandchild and my dad's only child also while I was living there I didn't really have much of a relationship with my mum I used to speak to her on the phone from time to time obviously we didn't have FaceTime and WhatsApp and things like that at that time it was just calling cards so she would call and I used to speak to her I'd be really really shy because all I knew her as was a picture this Caucasian woman I thought she was a Caucasian woman because she was fair-skinned and I just always believed she was a Caucasian woman she was just really light and she was in this white wedding dress as well so that's just what my image of her was so whenever my grandmother would have visitors that were Caucasian I used to believe they were my mum I would hide behind her but still want to be around them at the same time it was just very odd I just didn't really understand it when I was coming back to London to come and live here I really believed I was coming back into this nuclear family I thought it was going to be my mum my dad my sister and myself however when I returned it was completely different my parents had been separated I had no idea about it I thought my parents were married and 
I think as a child, you don't actually recognise about parents splitting up until maybe you you see it yourself. I just always thought that this is what a family was supposed to be like. So it wasn't that for me. It was completely different. And when I came to live here, I used to go and see my dad every other weekend. Obviously, when I lived in Ghana, he used to come over maybe like a twice a year or so and bring loads of stuff for us but when I came back I only used to spend like every other weekend with him sometimes my sister would come with me sometimes she wouldn't and I didn't really understand why until maybe I think I was about seven or eight we had some kind of argument I think I was scared of the hoover or something stupid like that and she got irritated and she just turned around and said well it doesn't matter anyway because we don't have the same dad and I thought, huh? What? I just thought I looked exactly like my dad and she looked exactly like my mum. I didn't understand there was any such thing as having different dads. Obviously, we don't know about sex at that age and we don't know about paternity and things like that. So it just, I was shocked. Anyway, I remember walking through a shopping centre with my mum and I asked her, I just randomly said to her, how comes you never told me that me and my sister had different dads? Obviously that was completely shut down. It was like, how dare you even ask me that kind of question? And I never questioned it again, ever. Never spoke about it. That was my sister and that was that. I never knew any different and I loved her exactly the same. So, when we came back to England my mum had a network of friends and they were all gone in too so it kind of felt more like family and I had like loads of aunties and cousins and we used to have these family parties and they were just so nice and fun and all of that my mum's closest friend at the time who I think has some kind of distant family relation to my dad there came out this big rumor that my mum was having an affair with her husband and when that happened it completely destroyed all the relationships that we had with these people everyone stopped talking to my mum she was really ostracized and we had to move out of the area we didn't move that far. I thought it was far. It felt like it was like in the countryside somewhere, but it really wasn't that far. And um, moved to this nice house and whatever it was, but it just felt really different because I no longer had these relationships with people that I grew up with. And it was odd. I was now in secondary school. I literally felt so alone at that point. And I started to rebel a bit because my mum worked a lot and so did my sister and most of the time I was left at home alone so I don't understand why I was expected to stay at home by myself when there's no one with me I started hanging around with friends and people at the bus station after school and I just turned a little bit rebellious and I started to be called the bad child but I don't think they ever took into consideration that when I'm at home on my own, I'm just left with all my thoughts. 
when I think back to it, I really wasn't that bad of a child. I think the reason why I ended up being sent to go and live with my dad, it was something really ridiculous. My mum had confiscated a phone from me and I found a spare phone in the house. The only reason why I wanted this spare phone was to be able to listen to music on my way to school and on my way back from school. She found it disrespectful and the next thing you know, my dad was being disrespected in the car. Like, she was just saying a whole load of horrible comments about him and I get it myself now because I'm a parent. When you're doing everything alone and your children misbehave, you start to think, well, I'm doing all of this hard work on my own, your father isn't here, and you're misbehaving, like, but I just didn't think it was right for her to speak about my dad like that, so I defended him, obviously, I'm a daddy's girl, I love my dad to pieces, and I stood up for my dad, and I said, why are you speaking about him like this, (laughs) that is what got me sent to go and live with my dad I came home and I had to pack my bags and it was time to go my dad didn't want to answer the phone that day he said nope I'm not dealing with it today and we didn't hear from him until the next day I won't speak too much about my dad because I will speak about him on daddy issues so my relationship with my mum has affected me in so many ways I lived on my own from the age of 16 and I didn't really speak to her as much. I think we went quite a long period of time without speaking but when we did start to speak again I ended up confiding in her about certain things that I'd gone through. When I was about 17 I was pregnant and I lost a baby. I had a miscarriage but it wasn't your average miscarriage um well for me anyway so when I told her about it finally opened up to her maybe about a year later her first response was well why did you open your legs and I thought at the time I thought hold on how can you say that I was so hurt but as we do we just block things off and we move on And then it becomes part of your shopping list. When I got pregnant with my first child, I told her about it. And she kind of asked me, well, is the guy going to be there for you? Because I wasn't around my family like that, I wasn't really in the position to bring guys around my family or people that I was dating. It just wouldn't happen because I was just me by myself. Didn't really interact with my family like that I'd see them from time to time but just not like that and I think she kind of insinuated that I should have an abortion and I thought huh you don't even know the depth of what I've gone through after I lost my baby I then found out I had polycystic ovaries so being quite young I naively believed that I probably wouldn't be able to have kids when I was older so to me this was a blessing and it was just too coincidental that I happened to 
be pregnant for the same person that I'd lost a baby for in the past. I said, no, I don't think I can have an abortion. And yeah, I just, I think I just assumed that your family would be there and support you when you have a child. Clearly that was a different view of how I had things. But I think I was confused because when I had my son, as soon as I'd had him, things completely changed. My mum wanted me to come and stay with her. I did because I needed my mum, it was my first child. And I think I stayed with her for about three months. But most of the time she was working and I was at home with my sister. I don't think it really hit me, the lack of support that I had until I moved out to live on my own with my son. And I felt alone all over again. Obviously I had friends that would come around and visit, but it wasn't the same. And I had like small little issues with my kid's dad at the time and just, now I just put it down to that these issues were happening because we both had some type of mummy issues. And that's what made it difficult being new parents. So during this lockdown period, I came to a realization that I really needed to reparent myself because for the past four years, a lot of things have happened that I didn't really understand. And going through counseling and trying to understand myself better, I don't know how I knew, but I just felt like there must have been a reason why my mom didn't have certain conversations with me. For example, when I would confide in her about the things that were happening in my relationship, she would turn around and tell me, well, that's the man you chose to have children with, so you need to deal with it. And I thought, how can you say that to me when you didn't guide me on what kind of man to have children with ever? There was no conversation about men. I don't even think she was there when I had my first period. There was no explanation about that. Um, there was no sex talks or just even just about fancying boys. There was no nothing at all. So when I look at it now, I realise that I really have to, in my healing process, reparent myself and talk to my inner child and let myself know that I am loved and I am valuable and I do deserve certain things and come into that realisation, it's weird because I still felt like I needed answers from her. I had to ask her why when I explained certain things to her, she just didn't deal with it properly or didn't tell me the right things to do. It turned out that most of the abuse that I encountered during my relationship were exactly the same things she had gone through in her first marriage. And I think it was really difficult for her to speak to her child about what she had gone through. In my eyes, I feel like if she had taken the time to 
actually speak to her daughters about some of the things that she had gone through I probably wouldn't have entered such relationships so I would have known what to look out for kind of thing but because there weren't any of these conversations I just didn't know any better I think she sometimes feels like I'm blaming her for my situations but I'm not it's more that I just have this thirst to understand things in a deep way I don't know being an empath you just want to know the answers I find it really hard to block off my emotions whereas she did so I think knowing that her daughter was was going through these things it was hard for her to look at her child because it was like looking at herself and even though I've got the answers that I need from her she didn't get some of the answers that she needed from her parents but for me I feel like even though it's a possibility that she's really upset with me for digging that deep and wanting to know the truth at least now I know that my daughter doesn't have to go through the things that I went through and that she went through and this is what I mean when I speak about generational cycles or other people might call it a generational curse no matter what happens I will always love my mum mothers are supposed to guide and teach you and the way I see it now is that she just had a different way of guiding and teaching me and it may have been subconscious but it's happened and I'm grateful that I can learn for my children in the future that's the most important part for me I do have something that I would like to read for my mum if she would ever listen to this episode I don't think she will but who knows here it goes our life has not been easy we've managed to drift apart but whatever it's worth know you're always in my heart not a day goes by when I don't wish we'd talk to say hello or goodbye or maybe go for a walk You're missing important days. I'm not a girl anymore. It's a difficult maze. Every time my heart is torn. There are times I need you to be there for me. That nurturing statue. If only you could be. It's not you I blame for the way we are. But all the hurtful shame left an invisible scar. Sometimes I feel trapped. I don't know what to do. Does God have our life mapped? Help me sail across the blue. Why can't we mend this? We both love each other. I'm not sure about sis, but I miss my mother. I hope you understand why it's so hard to call. I have the phone in my hand, but it seems to always fall. For now, I'll hope and pray for you to come around. That would be the day when the new us is found. I still love you and still want you to be my mother. Regardless of what we've been through, I don't want any other. 
So I just want to say a really big thank you for stepping into a mother's land again. I'm still really new to the podcasting world, so I'm really trying my best to deliver my message as clear as I can for you. So I hope it helps you gain some clarity on what mummy issues are and how I kind of dealt with them. Like I said, thank you for stepping into a mother's land and I will speak to you soon. Bye. And obviously at times it can be very challenging having two kids so young. And watching that child grow is worth all of the pain and efforts and fight that you have to put in as a mum.